MC Podcast. Welcome back to the SMC Podcast. Jamin here with uh, Pastor Kay Coldy at the Spring Arbor for Methodist Church. I'm in her office, and uh, don't tell Mark Van Valen this, but um, you've got better office taste than <laughs> than he did. Well, so. we won't tell him, but I've heard that before. Too. <laughs> uh, we'll just pray that he's not listening right now. That's fine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, taking a look around looks very nice. And listening to that uh, heat kicking in every once in a while so listeners as you hear the fans come on it's all right you'll enjoy it just know that we're warm and uh good times so uh we've we've got you on the podcast right now partially to talk about uh rooted because this is something not only that you're using i think i just saw another church in our um a few in the area that i've talked to but definitely jackson yeah that's that's where i thought i saw it started this fall and and there are two other churches in the area that are not Free Methodist churches that I've talked to about it, and I know West Winds is going to start using it. Oh, nice. So, yes. Cool. So, rooted for, let's just start at the base. So, you've already pitched it to these people, sounds good to them, they pick it right up. Mm-hmm. Sell us on it now, because yeah. apparently it seems like that's worked well for you. Sell you on it. So. It originated in the U.S. at Mariners in Southern California, so there were some Free Methodist churches and the SoCal Conference that were using it. In my former church, the lead pastor had been a part of it, experienced it, saw it begin to shift their discipleship process, so he asked me to implement Rooted in my previous context. And so I went to some trainings and some conferences, and I thought, is everyone drinking the Kool-Aid? We've all done, um, you know, so many different discipleship curriculums and things. And so what's going to be different about Rooted? So I love to start with things that are different about Rooted than other things you've done, most likely. So Rooted's a 10-week discipleship experience. It's one of those things where we're very careful about language because we don't want people to walk in with the expectation that it's a class or even really a curriculum, although there is something set before you for 10 weeks, but it's meant to be uh, learned, meditated on, and practiced, so it's experiential. And it starts the first five weeks focused on your vertical relationship with God, the second five weeks more your relationships horizontally with the church and the world. and. As you learn about certain topics, so you have five days of reading every week. They're only two to three page readings, really simple. There's questions for you to meditate and reflect on every day. That's what you do in group. So nobody is teaching it. There's no teaching there. It is discussion based on what people have been meditating on through the week and learning. And so this is one of the ways that it's different if you have someone who's just going to have to teach the entire time, that's usually a person you don't want facilitating a rooted group because the intention is that people are actually learning from one another. So that's very different than a lot of people have experience with discipleship curriculums. Um, the second thing is 
for instance, when you learn about prayer for a week, you spend time reading and meditating on what is prayer, how do we hear from God, then you discuss it as a group, but you also spend two hours praying together. And so it's experientially practiced in the group so that you're not just learning something without experiencing it. So those things are different than I had encountered before. And I think the other thing um, that is very different is it's a reset button for what we're saying groups will be moving forward. So what I mean by that is a lot of times you teach people a curriculum and you think, okay, they've got the information. And somehow that's just in them and we pray that it transforms them. But with Rooted, what is focused on, uh, they call it the seven rhythms of Rooted, so aspects of following Jesus that we all should be doing. So uh, prayer, serving the community, generosity, celebration together. So for instance, this, I don't know how much this will shake up different Free Methodist uh, leaders, but taking communion together at their groups periodically as a form of celebration for what Jesus has done and is doing. sharing your story so framing testimony and evangelism a little bit differently as far as sharing your story relationally with people Um, prayer to release people from strongholds and um, daily time in the word of course so those are those rhythms that then you're intentional with your groups moving forward that we are doing these things like i would tell leaders moving out of rooted so now every quarter or semester when are you guys spending a home meeting praying over people to be released from strongholds or other sorts of you know prayer freedom prayer for people when are you spending time together as a group in a serve experience or project of some sort so you do it in the group of 10 weeks but then you continue it on forward and it's intentional to become a rhythm of how people should live together as christians so those are ways that I think it's really different, and I experienced it differently. We saw so many stories of life change compared to all the other things I had taught before this. That was the final sell for me. Awesome. Uh, so one of the things I'm curious about, uh, since it, it, it is 10 weeks, but you just said that it's naturally meant to keep going. Does it keep going in group form or... Is it like a life development or... Yeah, so the idea is that groups would move forward after Rooted, continuing on as life groups, small groups, cell groups, whatever you call them at your church, they would be able to continue on and take those seven rhythms into their group. What they do for content after that is up to you. Um, and what you like to have your groups do in your church. So the people who created this, they prefer having their groups discuss the message questions most of the time to dig deeper and then practice the seven rhythms throughout the time of gathering.
this particular um, discipleship experience was adapted from something that they had experienced in Kenya when they were visiting a really large church that had been super effective in planting small house churches that grew and continued to grow. And so they asked them, how are you doing discipleship um, when this is so decentralized, right? So this is a church like Mariners that's got 12,000 people and they've got systems and there's centralized things happening. And so they're looking at this kind of a church in Kenya saying, how are you doing it? And so they worked with some of the leaders from that particular church. I can't remember the name of it, but to adapt it to what would fit into U.S. culture and then developed this. So I think there are just really good practices that will sound similar to other curriculums or other models that people are using what does work well for churches of various sizes is it becomes kind of the front door for people in your church that gets them, you know, I don't love the word assimilated, but <laughs> we understand. It, it helps them understand both your culture, you know, your mission, and then how to live life as in the one another of your church. So right from the get-go, you get people into something like this say this is our first part of like our funnel for the pathway of discipleship and it helps with kind of unity behind that because so many churches just start doing whatever good program comes their way like somebody in the church says I did this study and it was awesome and then I did this and so they just kind of give people 50 options mm-hmm. and for a lot of people what that means is they don't think any one option is important and they don't do it or it's very haphazard and willy-nilly and where do I go next and I got I got this great information out of this study but now what and so part of what Rooted accomplishes is helping people move forward with an understanding of this is what discipleship is looking like for us this is how we live out mission together and it can be carried on in groups Hmm. so I was teaching all kinds of Sunday schools and Bible studies, and when I got challenged, what stories of life change are you hearing out of your Bible studies? I was like, well, I'm sure their minds are being transformed, (laughs) right? Yeah. And then I was more seriously challenged, like, okay, we want to share stories, so ask your groups, like, what has God done in the last... 10 weeks of your study or in the last six weeks of your study and I started asking and no one could ever evidence witness to life change and that was a huge you know take stock moment for me of like what am I doing Hmm. because we have access to information everywhere now people don't need us at the church actually to just give them information because they can get it 24-7 available to them so what are we doing here and where's the fruit? And that was one of the ways that I saw Rooted give some solutions that I hadn't experienced with other studies that we put people through or curriculums that we offer. Um, And that for me is a huge now just source of passionate, um, they should give me kickbacks. Mariners should give me kickbacks (laughs) for how often I have said, hey, this really helps with your discipleship pathway but also your community and and how people understand who you are because 
I saw so many stories of life change. Mm -hmm. And that was something I hadn't experienced a lot in other teaching settings. And Sunday school generationally is, is apparently dying off, right? I mean, we're seeing in most places that younger generations don't love the Sunday school model of being discipled. And so in adjusting that and wanting both great content and life change, this was also another good solution. Yeah. Well, I think for, oh man, I don't remember when it came out, 10, 15 years now, since Willow Creek did that reveal study that was like, hey, we're huge, but no one is growing inwardly, you know, no one's getting discipled. So what our statistics show is since then, everyone's kind of been proposing different ideas that would do the trick. And uh, it always seems like either they, you know, can be a lot of talk and it doesn't quite do it. Or um, it's really hard to implement some of these things because it's such a change of the way that people think of small groups or um, sometimes aren't willing to commit enough even. Some some of these ones that I've seen are just, you know, like so passionately, like every week you're doing something radical and like it takes a while for people to be like, yeah, I'm not going to mm-hmm. quite commit to that. But it looks like this one's done a, a good job even uh, from the way that you were explaining it. In my mind, I see a lot of tears happening at these things. I don't know if that's the case or not, but, Can be. you know, church at least a lot of times we show up and we pretend that everything's going well and that we're all in a good place mm-hmm. and some of the like stuff that rooted looks like it unroots is probably very uh intense i would imagine for some yeah, people usually the week that you do strongholds yeah particularly in the women's group but in the men's group too there's a lot of tears being shed as as people and i saw some incredible freedom steps some really powerful moments that i i think i will never forget hmm. um there was a story a woman who grew up with atheist parents they had her read the bible sometimes to tell her how it was just all lies hmm. and what had gone through a horrible young adult and early adult life uh, she was physically abused and emotionally abused and dangerous situations just really broken and was invited to the church and kept saying no and came in and just the Holy Spirit started working and one of the first messages she heard she signed up for Rooted like she had been at the church once or twice because it was being promoted that week and typically those folks don't show up when you actually start it like they hear about it they sign up and then they don't show up Um, but she got into it and there was just this amazing then once she felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in her and had, you know, begin to sense that God would do this, this work of uprooting all these things like lies and the wounds, all this stuff, she just was hungry for it. And we got to the week on strongholds and basically, you know, people get uptight. Like, is there, do we feel like we're saying some kind of magic incantation that's suddenly going to take this thing away from me and it's it's of course not that it's really believing that in the spiritual realm there's power in this prayer and the authority that we have in Christ 
to break this and bless you with truth to walk in. And so she, um, some of the things that we walked through and just her response and her immediate feeling of being entirely different, transformed, peace was it was like visibly and tangibly felt by everybody in the group who were at all different places in their spiritual maturity. And it was one of those moments where I felt the Holy Spirit say, like, you just need to go over and embrace her from me. And this is from me. And so I went over to give her a hug and she just crumpled. And the rest of the group, the prayers that came out of those people were prayers like I had never heard them pray before. Yeah. So it was so powerful. I mean, certainly everybody was weeping. <laughs> and, um, you know, she would say later, it was a marker moment of, like, she had been starting to hear people say, God loves you unconditionally. But in that experience of prayer and just people physically being around her and speaking truth, it was like she, it, it all came into place. It was like she wasn't just hearing it, she was believing it. It was like her heart was transformed by it, and it was amazing. So yeah. I wasn't experiencing that in most of my Bible studies. <laughs> not every week. No. <laughs> and that's not every week in Rooted either, but that is a moment of huge vulnerability that people dread and then typically walk away being so grateful they engaged in. So I'm curious a little bit, it seems like some of the tougher nuts to crack sometimes are the ones who have been in church for a while and have this image of, I have it together. Do they kind of open there too, or does that seem slower or? (laughs) It's, yeah, sometimes yes and sometimes no. Some of my favorite stories were people who have been like, well, I've been in every evangelism and discipleship class system there's ever been, I've done this, and, you know, I don't expect anything different, and they do, you know, there was one guy, we actually, um, one of our promos was with his story, because he'd been a Christian for 40 years, he had been faithful in doing all the classes, and doing all the stuff, and serving, and part of his 10-week um, testimony for his rooted experience was as I started writing my prayers to God and sitting there, I actually realized I was hearing God for the first time, hmm. not just through the written word hmm. of Scripture, but I was hearing God and able to really commune with Him that way. And so that's huge. I mean, that to me is a victory of incredible proportions because, you know, they've had information up to their eyeballs but there was something experienced through the process that was going to be life-changing for you know this was a guy in his 70s so there were some of those but the worst group I ever did was um, our first go-around when all the people who were totally skeptical and mostly wanted to prove this isn't different than anything we've ever done signed up 
and I took some of the people that I knew would be particularly reticent in my own group and oh my goodness it was tough yeah it was not a transformational experience so and I think a lot of that is the spiritual battle behind you know it's always to have a prayer team of people praying for the experience and you start the experience by saying to people we are intentionally looking for what God is doing in your life in the next 10 weeks God is always doing something we are either not cooperating or not noticing and so what we're doing in the next 10 weeks is cooperating and noticing with what the Holy Spirit wants to be doing in you and just really saying you're here to be expectant be expectant be expectant and so that helps but some people are still just gonna yep. put their hands up and say no thanks so hmm. not their hands up in praise <laughs> their hand up <laughs> no yeah gotcha well it sounds like a powerful experience and something that many of our churches could could use i imagine superintendent agrees because he told me to come here and <laughs> talk to you about it so yeah. uh, there's a leadership pipeline with it too. It's very intentional as you develop facilitators that they get a lot of guidance and they're trained to be looking for other leaders and also people in their group who have other spiritual gifts and where they might go in the church. And hmm. so that's another great uh, benefit. And we saw a big increase in so coming out of the 10 weeks and you're saying to people, so what now? And there's a when I went to Mariners to experience one of their celebrations, so at the end of the 10 weeks, you also plan a celebration where people do have the opportunity for testimonies, um, people who accepted Jesus or who have realized they need to be baptized can have that chance. And then the other piece is a commissioning where you look at all these people and basically say, um, you are commissioned as ministers of the gospel. And, um, you know some of it was funny and when we did it with our church the first time there was a little bit of like disbelief but like the commissioning statements like when you know someone is sick in the hospital you're not going to call your pastor first Hmm. you're going to go yeah you know and just kind of creating in people a different expectation that they are the church Hmm. and now you've been studying your gifts and what church is for and what your part is so um, we'd have people that were reticent to join as members join after Rooted. We'd have people start giving that had never given. You know, like, so all those next steps were really good. Um, and serving was a big one. People would be willing to serve that hadn't jumped in to serve. And that was in a large church context where it's really easy for people to just kind of stay invisible. Yeah. So I know that's not every church, but... Um, those were some of the good tangibles after it were um, leaders serving, giving, membership mm-hmm. were, were good steps after. So uh, I think every pastor and leader of churches is, are looking for ways to get people to just step into serving, giving yeah. <laughs> membership, right? Mm. Yeah. And just that idea, too, of, you know, biblically pastors are, to equip the saints for the ministry, not to be the ministry. So sounds like this does a good job of that. Uh, do you mind if I see this book for a second? <laughs> I'm just curious, uh, is this book what you lead people through, or is this a... Uh... The one you're looking at is yes. the participants book. 
Okay. So there is also a facilitator's book that gives a lot of help to how you would lead, facilitate the, mm. the discussions, but also the prayer experience or the serve experience. So this is what they would go through mm-hmm. in this book. Mm-hmm. So, and this is about, I think I saw 220 pages. So it is a commitment. Is It's definitely a commitment. So but I mentioned it's five days of reading with some questions to meditate on and some days yeah i'm showing you right now it's a page and a half some days it might go up to three pages it's very quick reading yeah the the emphasis is meant to be uh, the time spent like praying about it meditating about it bringing your own life experience to Mm -hmm. connect with it um so and a lot of those pages too are for writing on yes i see yeah i was just curious because this is one of the things i always ran into with small groups you get together like all right, so what did you learn from the reading? And people are like, I didn't right, read I didn't it. read the chapter. Yeah. Everyone, you know, so like, I'm just curious. So. Yes, but you do have to let people know it's a commitment because the other piece of it is if people are really going to authentically share their stories, yeah. for some people to pop in and out, they don't develop the trust and comfort that mm-hmm. it takes. And so you really are saying to people, um, you know, if you can't make it, I, there was no hard and fast rule, but I would say if you can't make it like eight of the 10 weeks because it's experiential, yep. you're missing it. So it's pretty, probably not a good time to sign up for it. Um, they don't sell these books on Amazon or Christian book distributors because it's not meant to do alone. Yep. It is meant to be a group experience. So um, if you just bought the book and were going through it, yeah, you get some good stuff out of it, but that's not really the point of the whole experience so you're saying to people you need to commit to being in the group and many times I got 10-week testimonies that were like I dreaded coming to this and (laughs) I don't know why I signed up for it the first night I thought for sure I was dropping it and by week 10 I loved these people yeah um and so just that is a huge win for a lot of churches to because, I mean, I think it's a Scott McKnight book, right? That's called A Fellowship of Difference. Yep, yep. With a E-N-T-S, different. <laughs> and just that idea that, yeah, we're in church with people that we normally wouldn't, you know, suddenly group with. Mm. But if we can learn how to love each other, I mean, that is really glorifying to Jesus. So that was a piece that um in the commitment factor because just saying to people like you are going to be uncomfortable on week one and maybe week two and maybe week three but you'll get through it yeah you'll start to enjoy these people and um i i just about never found a person who who couldn't get beyond their discomfort of the first few weeks Hmm. and most people who drop out will drop out in week one or two yeah. So, yeah, it um, for discipleship in my previous context, it was a real game changer as far as getting people into um, sort of the pathway that we wanted them on instead of giving them so many different good options. Mm-hmm. So it does, to actually do it, I think you as a leader have to be committed to saying this is the thing and we're gonna stick with this for new people and for leadership development. One of the things I love about it is like a discovery Bible study, you could be doing it with someone who's doesn't know Jesus yet and someone who has been a Christian for 60 years in the same group. Hmm. 
One of the issues I had with a curriculum like Alpha or Starting Point, which are both really, really good, was you segregate new believers in their own group. Yeah. So then, okay, now they're done. <laughs> now what do they do? Yeah. Like, do they form a group together? Because they're all new believers. That doesn't seem the way we want to disciple. And otherwise, are you trying to stick them in existing life groups, right? <laughs> so one of the good points of this is like, from the get-go, it can be integrated with all different levels of spiritual maturity or um, experience with Jesus, and you can invite your neighbor who doesn't want to go to church but has a bunch of questions to your rooted group, Hmm. you know, and it works. So that part to me was also really fun, and whenever people invited coworkers or neighbors who didn't go to any church, it was usually so good for every person in the group Mm -hmm. because so many of our church people forget or don't know how they they think they know how other people think but they they don't and so it's a really good experience and the other thing too i keep talking just interrupt me yeah good um the other thing too with how politically divided we are one of the things that came out in several of my groups is wow, that person loves Jesus and thinks differently than me about a multitude of issues. Mm. And we tend to get in our echo chambers, right? Or just say, I never want to talk about those things with other Christians or in my church because I'm afraid of it. And there's no reason to talk politics and rooted, but it'll just come out certain ways that people think or questions that they have about the church even where they experience, oh, okay, like we just had a little bit of a conversation about evolution and lightning didn't strike and all (laughs) these people here are earnestly seeking God. And it was good, Mm -hmm. you know? So those things were also really fun for me and I think in in the end help create a little bit better unity when you get some people in the same room willing to talk authentically, but they think differently. Because if they're in the same room and they're just getting fed by a teacher, you know, there's no harm, no foul in that, right? Like, you're not going to say anything that um, is going to ruffle feathers. But if you're leading the conversation together, it comes out. So, Hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the beauties of that, too, is just trying to break down some of those walls because I know I've had those moments where I'll sit down to have lunch with someone who (laughs) online you know politically might be very different from me and I'm like well man this is going to go bad but then we just start talking about things uh, and I'm surprised a how much we're on the same page about issues that I wouldn't have expected and then b um, I'm always just like look they love God just as much as everyone that you know is at church and pursuing even if we're stark contrast in some of these things and if this has an ability to kind of break down walls like that too you know that just i can imagine is a very good uh, yeah. concept for people to to work with i mean i feel like i got to go back to church and now read this book and try to <laughs> take people through it so your cell is, yeah, is working you. like i said i should get kickbacks yeah yeah uh if you're listening out there mariners uh, <laughs> <clears throat> uh is there anything else on this that you wanted to hop into or did you 
I think I'm happy to answer questions for people and um, share more. I think people might listen to this and have a more specific content, uh, question about their context. And so, you know, email me or call me. I'm happy to do it because I care passionately about discipleship, not about mariners and rooted <laughs> per se. And I just, I have experienced really great things and um, transformative things with it. So that's why I am willing to take my time because I really I want um, this church at Spring Arbor and every church to feel like some real fruit from their discipleship yeah, yeah. cool uh, where can they contact you at so um, my email is k at springarborfm.org so you can find me on the website or call here and yeah I'll connect with people excellent and since they're trying to figure out K versus K-A-Y versus K-A-Y-E. Yes, my mom had to make it difficult and throw an E on the end. It is K-A-Y-E at springarborfm.org. Excellent. So, Cool. So reach out to Kay. She'd be happy to talk with you more about this. Likewise, uh, um, leave a comment with us uh, at the conference, whether that's on Facebook or somewhere else. Let us know what this is doing for you and all the churches out there that are using it. We'd love to hear your testimonies uh, about how it's working in your context. So shoot us a line. And, uh, Kay, we just want to thank you for talking with us today. Absolutely. SMC Podcast.